All right, welcome in. Happy Friday. One day until Texas takes on Kansas in a ranked matchup at DKR. It's the bi-weekly broadcast that understands the pride and tradition of the Texas football program. We'll never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. It's the Eyes on Texas multicast, and our eyes are firmly on the Longhorns at number three in the country. Here comes number 24, Kansas, and we're going to talk about it and preview it with you. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, 13 podcast from all the schools around the state uh that that uh, network but uh, certainly ours is uh, as well the eyes on texas multicast powered by our presenting partner at grande equipment and we'll tell you about our other founding partners as well throughout the course of uh our 30 or 40 minutes to preview this game here on this friday ahead of game day i'm aaron hogan morning show host here at the horn in austin 25 years on morning radio here in the capital city he is uh the senior writer at dave campbell's texas football magazine formerly the austin american statesman uh, doing great work covering college football in the state of Texas. He is Mike Craven. Hello, Mike. How are you, my friend? Doing pretty good. Uh, after we get done with this, going to get in the car, drive to Huntsville, go watch uh, Sam Houston on Thursday night, and then be back in Austin for the game, Texas versus Kansas on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's a big day in the state. This is the biggest game. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked about uh, is if Texas wins this game, if Oklahoma wins, when, you know, we will talk about the look-ahead threat for Texas. But if both teams win Saturday with home games, they're heavily favored in both Texas with Kansas, Iowa State in, in Norman. Uh, very likely that next week, my college game day will be at the Cotton Bowl, because if you look at the schedule for week six, it's not littered with great games. This would be the best game. And gosh, think about the subplots of that. I mean, uh, is it going to bring Brett Yormark in to talk or are you going to bring uh, Greg Sankey on to college game day to talk about the future? Uh, a lot of subplots there. But first things first. Let's get you going with the Kansas Jayhawks. The multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football is uh, available to follow us on Twitter as well. Remember, Eyes on Texas FB, uh, the Instagram page there at Eyes on Texas Pod, now on Facebook as well at Eyes on Texas Podcast. And uh, it's all brought to you by Grande Equipment, our founding partners. West Murray and his great team there. If you need heavy equipment, rentals or purchases for any project of any size, get a hold of Grande. Their team been doing it 31 years. Uh, and once the, the relationship starts, when they earn your business, I promise you that uh, it's all about getting the uh, the project done on time, on budget, uh, that equipment that you need or whatever it might be from any manufacturer. They're not locked in. You know, they don't lock in to one. They can use Caterpillar or Komatsu or John Deere, whatever you need for your project. It'll be their job site ready and ready to go every single time. They are the best locally owned, independent, but play in the big leagues in a big way at GrandeEquipment.com. All right, Mike, uh, one day out thoughts on Texas, Kansas. The line is 16-17, whether that matters. Longhorns won this game handily last year, last November. Final, second to last game of the year was 55-14. to Texas rushed for, gosh, over 400 yards in that game with B. John Robinson having a huge day. Uh, what's in your mind will, will prevent that from being another one-sided score? Or will it be a one-sided score in your mind, Texas-Kansas? I think the thing that will prevent it would be Jalen Daniels. Just his ability, he's healthy this year. He, he didn't, he wasn't really healthy after that first start. Uh, last year after those first five or six games kind of dealt with some nagging stuff the rest of the way. So I don't know if Texas saw kind of a full strength Kansas offense, Devin Neal, also a really good running back. So they're going to have to be uh, locked in there defensively, but the advantage for Texas is the same one they had last year. And that's in the trenches. You know, I think that's going to be the advantage they have over every team on, on the schedule, the rest of the way out, even Oklahoma, that offensive line, that defensive line for Texas is tremendous when they're playing at their best. They're the best in the Big 12 without question. So if they show up on Saturday with the same mindset they did last week against Baylor of just we're going to physically dominate up front and let everything else work itself out, uh, that should be the key to success for Texas in week five and week nine and in week 13. 
Yeah, take care of business. I think we've seen it's been established for the first four games. Texas has uh, the best lines of scrimmage in the Big 12. I mean, Oklahoma is yeah. probably second, and that's why they're the two highest ranked teams. Uh, but we know about the skill talent, the Jatavion Sanders problem that he creates. But let's start with Kansas uh, here against the Texas defense. And that's going to be our matchup of Texas defense versus this dynamic Kansas offense brought to you by Brain, Brain Vault and the Brain Vault technology. Patent based, it's patented technology based on proven science that helps protect young athletes or athletes uh, from concussions. It's Brain Vault used their technology in the past eight years with roughly 100 NFL players. No concussions reported. There's now uh, technology for a retail version for your young athlete, your team of young athletes in any collision sport, any contact sport. Uh, learn more about it at BrainVault.com. It's BrainVault.com. More than just a mouthpiece where you can learn you, your young young athlete can play hard, but play safe with Brain Vault. All right, Mike, you just said it lines of scrimmage. Let's start with the uh, the Texas or this Kansas offense because it is good and it's yep. fun to watch. Uh, you know, when you watch Kansas, Lance Leipold has come in and done a tremendous job. Jalen Daniels was there when he got there, right? Uh, Les Miles recruited him, so you know that's at least one thing. But you know, when he first got there, they only had like forty or forty-five scholarship players. Uh, the Les Miles left it in real disarray, and uh, they've really added. They've added pieces, and now Jalen Daniels is a veteran quarterback. He's uh, one of the veteran quarterbacks in this conference. And the numbers that jump off the screen for their offense through four games, Mike, they average over 460 yards. Uh, they're scoring points uh, in bunches. And they're number one in the nation in third down conversions, over 60% third down conversions, which means you know, they're good on first down. They're good on second down. And it's odd, you know, Texas fans, a lot of you out there grew up watching the old option football, right? You know, wishbone with Darrell Royal option football. It's, it's, it's interesting how Lance Leipold's system does option football, but from the spread. Like they spread you out and then there's you, your, your assignments and your gap soundness has to be really good against this team because they, they, they make you be disciplined on defense and not over pursue anything. Yeah. And they also trick your eyes. You know, that that's kind of what they're trying to do. They're trying to outnumber sides and they're, they're trying to trick your eyes and, and make you just take that one false step. And then they have the advantage. They can get a, a lineman uh, to be on that, that side of the deal. And so, um, they're going to try to move Texas around. They're going to try to use motion, try to use misdirection, try to get Texas out of their their gaps. And that's been one thing Texas has been great at this year is gap control defense. Like the guys are where they're supposed to be. They're not over pursuing. They're not trying to do too much. You can tell there's a lot of trust on that defense between. And that that's understood with a third year system with every single coach back on that side of the ball. So much experience. I think Kansas Kansas's option, especially early on in the game, is to kind of te catch Texas unawares, put some stuff out there that maybe Texas haven't seen on film, do some stuff that's opposite of maybe what Texas has seen on film, break some tendencies. Uh, the script is going to be really important. If Texas can shut down Kansas early, I think Texas shuts down Kansas the rest of the way. If Kansas has success early, I think that's when it gets uh, difficult for Texas. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's script. And you know Kansas is going to have something special, the tendency breakers, a healthy Jalen Daniels. Devin Neal's a really good quarterback. The kid Hinshaw, Hinshaw, the running back's really good too. They also have a, a their top receiver is a big guy out of DeSoto, Texas. Uh, he'd be their go-to guy. So yeah, they have weapons and they're better. But I think as we've said, Texas is better. Uh, and you know they beat them 55-14 last year. I don't think it will be that large because of a healthy Jalen Daniels and a year better Kansas. But uh, Texas should be in the advantage. They're a 17-point favorite, uh, and that that uh, that defense for Texas. You said it. They've been so good. Uh, Jalen Ford named the Reese's Senior Bowl National Defensive Player of the Week after his performance against Baylor. He'll be important in this game. What other Texas defenders are you really keen on with this, you know, 
this option offense and what they bring to you, which guys are most important to uh, to make sure the Longhorns have a good game plan. Yeah, I mean, I think up front it's going to be the the usual suspects, right? Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, even Vernon Broughton. If those guys can control three or four linemen at the interior, that that allows Jalen Ford and David Binda to run around and make plays. I honestly think Texas is going to be fine against the run game for the most part. What I would worry about for Texas is the the play action kind of deep shots. You commit so many guys forward to stop the run game that all of a sudden Jaron Thompson and some of those safeties that have struggled in man-to-man are alone back there. Uh, Kansas has four wide receivers that have had catches for at least 47 yards or, or longer. You know, they're averaging about 13 yards of reception. And so they're a big play passing offense. They're not going to throw the ball 50 times a game. They're not going to slice and dice you through precision in that way, but they are going to make you creep forward, creep forward, creep forward, and then bust you on the back end uh, with some, with some deep plays. That's going to be things that Texas has to worry about because so far, if we're going to nitpick the Texas defense, the one thing that they have struggled with a little bit is vertical passing game when they get stuck in man-to-man with those safeties. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And uh, Lawrence Arnold's the big receiver out of uh, DeSoto that they have to deal with. And you're right, they want to create big plays. I'll be eager. You know, here's a, here's a little factoid. I did some digging. And uh, so far this year, and we may have mentioned this on our, our Tuesday edition of the Eyes on Texas when we were reviewing the Baylor game, but uh, Jalen Ford is the only Longhorn defensive player that's played more than 75% of the snaps so far this year. Uh, that tells you just how much they're rotating. Jalen's on the field almost all the time. Uh, he's the nucleus, you know, the, the brain center of their defense. But they rotate everybody else. And I'll be interested because I agree with you 100% on the, you know, the the teams when you're trying to attack something on Texas. Right now, all you can really find is those safeties. And can you get Jaron Thompson in coverage? He's made some big plays, pick six against uh, – big pick against Alabama, pick six against Wyoming. Um, you know, but he's also gotten beaten on some plays too uh, because it was just he's not the fastest guy. And if you can get him matched up on a speedster, it's going to be a problem. Uh, Michael Taft uh, played quite a bit last week against Baylor. He also he made some really good plays coming up and covering the run, but he also got beat over the top Ryan Watts. Uh, I don't wonder when you're trying to match up with really good athletes and quick athletes, if we see some of the younger guys sooner in this game, especially in that script. I mean, is Manny Muhammad, the freshman out of, just, out of uh, South Oak Cliff on the field? What about Derek Williams, the Raptor? You know, who's great in coverage. Rod Babers has told us in his deep dives on our morning show here in Austin that he's, you know, among safeties, according to Pro Football Focus, among the best cover safeties out there, even as a freshman. And then Anthony Hill. You know, you wonder if you see an Anthony Hill just because of his speed. You have to have someone kind of spying Jalen Jalen Daniels. Somebody can run him down and not let him get loose because Jalen can throw it, but he also runs like a running back. So it's almost like they have three backs in the backfield. I wonder if we don't see some of the younger guys early. That's why we've seen so much use of those guys because you're going to need them against a, a spread athletic team like this. But then that gets down to your point, Mike, of eye discipline and staying in your assignment and not over pursuing plays. Yeah, I would imagine they use them kind of in certain situations. They get in the second or third and long. Maybe you see, you know, some packages come in defense, kind of like the way we normally see in offense, right? Where it's like third and long, you send your five wide out there. I think defensively they're they're deep and talented enough to do that. You know, I think that's one of the things we talked about all offseason is that they've created depth that they just haven't had in over a decade, you're starting to see those athletes like by coaches always say by like game four, game five, those true freshmen are starting to figure it out. They get their sea legs a little bit. They understand the speed of the game. They're starting to understand film a little bit more and tendencies and what they're asked to do. And then that talent starts rising to the top. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we some, see some of these young guys play more and more and more over the next, you know, five, six, seven, uh, week eight. Uh, just as they're starting to figure it out a little bit more, the coaches trust them a little bit more, and they know that their speed and just overall uh, talent 
is going to rise them to the top. Yeah, agree with that. And, uh, you know, interesting is you know, Jalen Catalan, you know, one of the big uh, marquee transfer portal players. He's only played like he hasn't even played 40 percent of the snaps so far this year. Sark said this week he's not on a pitch count, you know, they, but I think they are want to keep keep him careful. But, man, we've talked about, Mike, these these two games can define this season into your bye week. You win both of these, uh, you know, next this week and next with Oklahoma looming. Um, you know, you're sitting in a, in a catbird seat with a week off, six games to go where you'll be heavily favored in all of them. And you start, you, you kind of shift gears from, you know, Big 12 championship aspirations to college football playoff aspirations at that point. But got to take care of business here. What do you think about Jalen Catalan? Could be a big, because he's such a good run supporter coming up in this run game. Uh, I wonder if we see more Jalen today or on Saturday. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more Catalan as the, as the conference plays going, as teams get more physical, as they get better. Uh, I I get I, I just think he is on a pitch count. Like I, I think he's too good to to keep off the field more. Some of it's been you know the score and the ability to get him off the field. But you need him on the second half of the season. They know uh, his history with injuries, and I, I'd imagine that even if they're not consciously doing it, um, they know that that keeping him healthy for the back end of the schedule is is important. I'm with you. If they can beat Kansas, they can beat Oklahoma. Now they have tiebreakers over two of probably the four other kind of contenders alongside with Kansas state and TCU that's big, not only, you know, in case you just lose one down the stretch for the big 12, but also for the college football playoff. I think if you beat Alabama, if you beat Oklahoma now 12 and one in a big 12 championship almost secures you a spot in that college football playoff. It gives them a little bit of wiggle room and it's hard. You know, the last time somebody went 13 and Oh, as a big 12 member, I think was Texas in 2009. Right. So it, it's not, an easy slate to get through, even though the Big 12 isn't considered to be on par with the SEC and the Big 10. It's historically been tough to run the table all the way through. If you can stack up some quality wins, if you beat Alabama on the road, you beat a ranked Kansas team, you beat Oklahoma on a neutral side, all of a sudden uh, you've given yourself a little buffer room to have the kind of that natural letdown game eventually. Now, well, and, and, you know, if they get to, again, we're not looking ahead to, Can to Oklahoma, I promise you. Sark says they're not. They've got their eyes firmly focused on this team. Uh, here but you know you get to the bye week six and oh with rank wins over three ranked teams including alabama you know you could be getting some first place votes in addition to being up in the top three in the country because that's a very accomplished compared to what michigan's done so far and beaten what georgia has done uh florida state would be the only other team comparable at this point so yeah that's what's out there for texas right now and it starts on the defensive side you got to start with the jayhawks and how you stop that defense and that's our look at the uh, texas offense against that defense you have a pick for defensive player of the week uh, maybe the guy that, that needs to be valuable. I, I mean, I'm going to, uh, I had Jalen Ford last week and that, and that hit, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Jalen Catalan. I think we're going to see him make some big plays in this game, both in coverage and coming up and making some plays. I think this is the game where he breaks out, uh, then kind of holding him back and they may have some, some stuff for him. Uh, you know, the, from the defensive side, the Kansas hadn't seen yet. I'll take David Binda. You know, I, I really enjoy kind of his, his emergence as, as a fifth year senior, and the transfer portal era and just kind of, you know, a coaching change happened. It would have been very easy for him to either wash out on his own or get washed out by this coaching staff. I think it's really cool that they stuck with him, that he stuck with the program. Um, I think Kansas is going to concentrate so much on blocking the interior of Texas and handling where Jalen Ford is that that's going to allow David Binda to use his athleticism, just go run and make plays. Maybe he ends up being a guy who's a spy on, on Daniels a few times. Uh, just with his athleticism, I think he's going to have a, a big game and he needs to, uh, to continue to do that. I think his emergence kind of like Jalen Ford's last year next to Overshone, his emergence next to Jalen Ford has really unlocked this defense. 
Agreed. Agreed. All right, that's our look at the Texas defense against this dynamic Kansas offense. Uh, that was brought to you by Brainball. But that Brainball technology is also delivered by Dr. Greg Eckert. Look at my curly white smile. Dr. Eckert restored my teeth. Uh, did it a few weeks ago, and I absolutely love it. The confidence that comes with a restored smile. And look, if you need work with your mouth, whether it's a single tooth or m multiple, you can you can do like you did with me with uh, you know working with what you already have and going over top of those and uh, becoming the support. But then they can do the permanently secure dental implants, which gives you a brand new smile in one day. You do all the, the planning ahead of it. Then you're in there for one day. You're back out with the brand new smile. He's restored over a thousand cases Dr. Eckert has here in Central Texas. Give him a call just for a consultation. You're the boss. You make him, you know, give you the information. You make informed decisions about your dental health care needs with Dr. Greg Eckert. Also, the Brain Vault technology, 345-3166. That's 345-3166. Dr. Greg Eckert, Eckert with a U, U-E-C-K-E-R-T. All right, uh, Craven, let's get into the other side of the ball. Texas offense against the Kansas defense that is improved, is improved. You know, part of last year was uh, – a complete domination, 55 points and over 400 yards rushing, is, uh, you know, Kansas's defense was the end of the year, second to last game, November. They were banged up, and Texas just steamrolled them. This team is relatively healthy. They went into the transfer portal to add bodies, and uh, Sark talked about they, they rotate as many as 10 players on their defensive line now. They're not as talented as Texas, but they're deeper. And if you look at the top 25 in total defense in the country right now through four games, they're top 25. It's like actually a little higher than Texas at number 22. Yeah, they're a little bit lower in scoring defense. Uh, I think they're they're around 60 in that metric, but that some of that's just because the offense plays so fast, scores so many points. They're on the on the football field a lot. They've been ahead in game, so you know, they've gotten backups in there and been able or probably allowed more points than, than maybe the first unit would be. I'm with you. I mean, this is the best Kansas defense that I can remember. I, I can't I mean, it's been a long time since Kansas had these these many dudes um deep, talented, faster than normal. Uh, but I think the major difference is they're bigger than they used to be. And, and so that's going to give uh, Texas some problems. I think we've talked about it. You know, it feels like Texas is almost better against the big defensive lines. It's kind of the, the smaller, quicker guys that have given them trouble. You know, Rice, Wyoming, uh, compared to how they did against Baylor uh, and, and, and Alabama to an extent, especially late in the game. And so Texas is going to have to figure that out. You know, I don't know if – I think Kansas is going to do a lot of uh, – stunts and movement and try to confuse this offensive line because they know just head up they can't do it last year you know texas had a really good game plan and it worked and i'd imagine they're going to come in with the exact same one and see if kansas has figured out a way to stop it agreed agreed and uh, our texas offensive game plan against this improved kansas defense brought to you by carlos carrion our good buddy and partner founding partner the texas mortgage guy.com that's the texas mortgage guy.com if you're going to market for a refi new home uh, buying a rental property, still a good time. Never a bad time to buy in Austin, Texas with these prices going up. It's not going to get any cheaper. Talk to Carlos. He'll be your roadmap to everything you need. He's on uh, online at thetexasmortgageguy.com. Don't forget the the, thetexasmortgageguy.com. Our guy Carlos Carrion bringing you the offensive attack for the Longhorns. And I think it's fair to say Sark has been a little bit frustrated with his offense at home, right? It's hard to argue with what they've done on the road. Um, outside of a couple drops at Alabama, uh, they were pretty dynamic for four quarters offensively there, ran up some big numbers. Baylor could have named the score at some point there up to, you know, put 28 on the board in the first half and win 38, six. Uh, but at home, they've almost kind of let their foot off the gas. Uh, and you, know, you can credit Rice's defense and Wyoming's defense for sure. Same time, Longhorns have to bring that energy. I think the number that stands out to me is again on the road in those hostile environments and you were at Waco you saw how how frenzied it was but Alabama obviously was Alabama 
they didn't have any pre-snap penalties in both games. The, the one they had against Baylor came late when Malik Murphy was playing quarterback. Uh, so they really played a clean game. That tells me they're focused, sharp, ready to go. Uh, home, go back to the Wyoming game. They had five pre-snap penalties, and they just looked clumsy. I, I'm assuming Sark would like to see this team take that step forward and bring that road focus and attitude to the to the home field. I don't play golf as much as you do, but I tend to play better when I get paired up with a stranger, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to not like keep them back. I, I'm, I don't want to be embarrassed. Right. And I, I think that some of that's with tech, when you're playing with your friends, sometimes you can be a little looser. You, you lose some golf balls. You're not playing as well. I think that's kind of been the thing at home for Texas that they've, you know, some of it's the opponents as well, you know, rice and Wyoming are harder to get up for than, than Baylor uh, and, and Alabama, obviously. And so maybe this this week kind of changes that. They're completely locked in. I, I would imagine just knowing, you know, this is for first place. It's against another ranked team. There's so much out in front of them. Uh, but it's hard. Like these are these are still 18 to 22 year old kids. Like it's human nature to kind of to look at the press, to know who you're playing against, to know Alabama is a really good team that you have to play for, to know that 60,000 Baylor fans are going to be chanting against you because this is the last time you're going into McLean. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. You know, I, this is what episode 23 and a half. We've talked about it almost in every single one. Um, the talent is all the way there for Texas is just about maturity and being able to get up for these games and, and be mature enough to, to take Kansas as seriously as you take Alabama uh, to take home games as serious, as serious as you take away games. All of those things is, is something that this roster is learning in real time because they've never done it before. There's, there's nobody on this team that has been a part of like a 12-0 and team or 11-1 and team. And so they're figuring out on the – and that includes the coach, by the way. They're figuring it out on, on the fly. And uh, I think each week we're starting to see more and more signs that this program is ready to handle those expectations in a way that it hasn't in a long time. Saturday is going to be another test of that. Agreed. Agreed. And look, uh, again, credit to Kansas's defense and improvement. They, they you know, last year in all 13 games, they had 12 total sacks, Mike. This year through four, they have 11. So they're better up front. We talked about that 10 person rotation. They're kind of they're, they're relatively not great at linebacker. I think that's someplace where Texas can attack this team. And, and that, you know, I don't think anybody's going to match up DB wise. Kobe Bryant, though, might be the best corner in the league. We thought the kid at TCU to start the year, but Kobe Bryant, you know, not the one from Cincinnati. We had, I had to look this up. Remember when uh, Sauce Gardner was Cincinnati, there was a kid across the way named Kobe Bryant, who I think is also playing in the NFL now. Uh, he's Kobe, C-O-B-E-E. -E. Hey, he's the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week, so you got to watch for him. He's an outstanding player. Uh, another one of those guys that, because I mean, it's very similar to Lance Leipold, that, like Sark, they've developed their players, right? These are not, some of the guys have come in new, but they've really developed the guys they have, and that's a credit to that coaching staff. Kobe Bryant, one of those guys, when they played two years ago, a game all Longhorn fans like to forget, he was like 160 pounds, right? and he's now bulked up. He's 175, 180, playing a much better brand of corner, long-arm guy. Uh, but if you're Texas, you start with Jonathan Brooks here. You get Jonathan Brooks going, C.J. Baxter, obviously, but Jonathan has been so hot. It feels like if you can, can, you can do a good job at the line of scrimmage, uh, he can have some advantages against those linebackers, both in the run game and the passing game here out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Texas, I run the ball early, I run the ball in the middle, and I run the ball late. Like Even if it doesn't work all the way up front early on, I think you keep doing it. You keep doing it. You wear down that defensive front of Kansas. You keep them honest with their pass rush. And then in the third and fourth quarter, you start cashing in on, on what you put in the bank there in the, in the first half. I think Jonathan Brooks is the guy now. I mean, it's hard to argue that he's not. I mean, unless he gets injured or has a bad game or all of a sudden C.J. Baxter is able to handle – know 15 carries without coming off the field i think brooks has to be the guy uh not even just because of his production i think one of the things we've just seen from cj baxter early is he's just not physically ready 
to handle the pounding of college football on a snap by snap basis. Jonathan Brooks has been in the weight room for a couple of years, learning behind Bajon Robinson, learning behind Roshan Johnson. He's put on that armor in the weight room for a couple of years and he's able to handle the beating. He was asked to be the whole plane at, at, at Hallettsville, right? Like he was the star running back. He was the star defensive player. He was their best special teams player. Like he's used to that beating. He's used to that pounding. Um, and so I think this is going to be another big game for Jonathan Brooks. What I'm curious about, I think one of the, the cooler kind of little in the game matchups here is if you're Kansas and you have a Kobe Bryant who can be an elite one-on-one defensive kind of stopper to play 10 on 10, do you put him on Xavier Worthy or do you put him on like an A.D. Mitchell, take away A.D. Mitchell in theory, and then double team Worthy knowing you're probably going to have to double team him uh, regardless? I think that's going to be kind of a game within a game. Like where do they put Bryant? Do they shadow him with Worthy? Do they just put him on one side of the field and how they adjust on top of that? Because if Texas can win that matchup, right? If, if Kansas decides hey, we're going to put Kobe Bryant on Xavier Worthy and we're going to try to play 10 on 10 and Xavier Worthy still wins that matchup, Texas win by 30, right? Like they're going to win yeah. by a lot of points. And so I'm curious to see where they deploy Bryant, who he covers and kind of what their uh, strategy is in the secondary because I haven't seen anybody yet figure out a way to deal with all these weapons. I don't, I don't know if there is a way to deal with all these weapons if the running game is also working. Rise on Texas Multicast, a game of preview on this Friday. Appreciate you tuning in, or maybe Saturday morning you're taking this in. Uh, again, this uh, this look at the Texas offense against the Kansas defense brought to you by thetexasmortgageguy.com. Carlos Carrion, I love your point about, you know, how did the – because, again, we've talked about the Jatavion problem dilemma that, that he creates for everybody. You know, I love the fact that, you know, they can, they can be in six offensive line packages, you know, spread formations – two backs, one back, whatever. But Jatavion Sanders is the fulcrum, right? He never leaves the field. He's the guy you got to deal with in all of those formations. And, you know, he, he you said this all, all, all season so far, and you just said it last week or in our previous episode. He's the problem, right? He is the key. He unlocks this offense, I think, is the way you put it. I think that's right. And until, until someone finds something that they can do with him, I continue to think JT is going to continue to have just big games. I would suggest that Texas fans close their eyes and think of the tight ends that they've had in the past. And you could almost tell based on what tight end was on the field, what Texas was going to do because they had a tight end that was a run blocking guy. And so when he was out there, they were going to run the football. They had a tight end that was more of a pass catcher. So when he was out there, they were going to throw the football. That's what defensive coordinators are looking for. That's what all those analysts in the, in the, you know, the box are doing is, is telling personnel, calling down to the defensive coordinator, hey, the tight end that's in when they run the ball 90% of the time is in there, put some big guys in there. You can't do that against Texas with JT Sanders. Like he gets to be out there all the time and you have no idea if Texas is going to be in 21 personnel and run the football down your throat, if they're going to go four wide receiver and have JT lined up as a normal tight end, if they're going to split, like you don't know what Texas is going to do based off of personnel. You combine that with their talent and you combine that with Sark's ability to play call and scheme stuff up. I mean, it's dangerous, man. Like that Texas offense, I would imagine, uh, is one of the tougher ones to game plan for in the nation. No question about it. And I think he, as you, we've said, makes it the difference. And the lines of scrimmage, even better this year than last year for Texas. And he adds to that. Uh, such a problem. Such a problem for, you know, when Malik Ogbo comes in in that six package, that's something I think the Longhorns could really feast on. And that's all for, remember, this is a 230 game. It's on ABC. It's going to be hot. I mean, we're mm-hmm. still just into October here, end of September. It's going to be in the 90s. Heat index over 100. Texas should have the depth advantage, too. We talked about that on defense. I think offense as well. Longhorns should be able to wear this team down. That's where I think you you said it right. If the Longhorns can weather that early Kansas script and get their own offense cranking, 
Um, you know, it could be a long day for the Jayhawks. But if the Jayhawks hit some big plays early, get themselves in this game, you know, could be could be uh, in for a ball game. I would say one thing about Quinn Ewers. Here we are, you know, 30 minutes into our episode and haven't mentioned the quarterback. But Quinn's having a, a really solid year. I think it was – I think you're one of the few people I heard early in the year, even in the preview season, talking about he doesn't have to be, you know, All-American. He's got to be a good player. He's got to be a good player for Texas. And then – because now the question around Austin is, is, is he a game manager? Is Because people have a, have a strong opinion about the Texas quarterback regardless, and certainly this one, uh, overrated, underrated, hype, whatnot. But he does, you know, it's just, it's like Mac Jones when, when Sark was at Alabama with all that talent. He's just got to execute the play, not turn the football over. And I could argue what you're seeing from Quinn is a higher level of Mac Jones. He's just a, you know, he's more inexperienced than Mac was at Alabama, but he's got the better arm, a little better an athlete as we're seeing him running for touchdowns. Now, Quinn, your success keeps doing what he's doing and not turn the football over. Texas is going to be fine. Never underestimate a Texas fan's ability to nitpick success, right? Like it is always <laughs> going to seem a little miserable. I, I think, when you come in as a five-star talent and you come in with one of, you know, like the, the guy before you that was rated as high as you was Trevor Lawrence. Right. And so like, that's kind of the marking stick. That's what Texas fans were getting. And I think we're starting to figure out that he's not that like, he's not surefire number one draft pick best quarterback that you've seen generationally. And that's not who Quinn Ewers is, but that's okay. He doesn't need to be that. That's why you have Xavier worthy. That's why you have a Don Adonai Mitchell. That's why you have a JT Sanders. Like his job is to get the ball into those guys' hands and then let those guys go win football games. Uh, don't make mistakes. Hit the open passes when they're supposed to. Make the right play. Occasionally make the shot downfield. Like that's all Texas needs. Like maybe that changes if they're playing Georgia or Michigan or something like that. And he's going to need to play bigger than that. And he's kind of proven in those big games he's able to step up and be that guy. He's played really well in six quarters against Alabama, for example. He played really well against Oklahoma, for example. And so I think in these kind of games where the talent matchup is, is so on the side of Texas, that Sark is probably putting together a game plan and talking to viewers about that same thing. Hey, we don't need 450 yards from you. We need 295 with two touchdowns, run the ball a few times and don't turn it over. And we're going to win 98% of our games that way because our defense is really good and the talent around you is such to where like, I, I don't know if game manager is the right word. Just like, don't do dumb things. Like do what the offense is supposed to do and do what the defense is letting you do. We have more athletes. Like they're not going to be able to stop us. Like, I don't see that as a negative thing. I, I think that's a, that's a show. That's another sign of maturity to like, know that you don't have to be superstar. That's pushing it down the field every single time. Take what the defense gives you live within your offense, go score some points, take the win and go on to the next week. All right. That's our look at the Texas offense. What do you think the number is? Let me mention to your point about nitpicking Texas fans, I've been doing the morning show in Austin for the, since the late 90s. It's amazing how many people forget Vince Young at the beginning, right? They all yeah. remember Vince Young crossing the goal line on fourth and five, but they don't remember when Vince was struggling and they want a chance mock and Vince should be a receiver. Colt McCoy had to learn how to play the position. Um, you know, it just, it takes time. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, that's Quinn, why you're Quinn's entering Quinn's entering. What is like 13th start ever or something like that? 14, yeah. 14 now this week. And so yeah, he's played so he's, a full season of college football yeah. now, you know? Yeah, he, he did very little. I mean, I still think, and again, he made some money, but, you know, Quinn's decision to skip his senior year, I thought that was a detriment to his development, and they're still yep. trying to coach through that. But, yeah, if, again, we look up the bye week, and the Longhorns, he still hasn't turned the football over. They're going to be fine. Uh, that Dex is going to win a lot of football games if he's not turning it over because his defense is really good. The weapons around him are really good. And the Longhorns have been good with the ball so far, and they've also forced more turnovers this year, so they're hitting those goals too. Speaking of turnovers, Kansas did score two touchdowns for their defense, for their offense last week. 
you know, the Kansas offense only scored 24 points in the win over BYU, but uh, two defensive touchdowns or a touchdown that was scored, but then one set up by the defense. So uh, got to be got the, the Jayhawks are a bit of ball hawks this year, and the Longhorns need to be aware of that. They've been really sharp with the ball so far this catch year. Catch your punts. Uh, yeah, catch your punts. Well, that's that's our next phase. Let's shift from uh, offense, defense, and now to special teams. And that's going to be brought to you by our friends at uh, One Source Gas. 12 years in the business, the uh, One Source Gas, ATX.com. Uh, they're your one-stop shop for all compressed gas needs, uh, supplying CO2, nitrogen, helium, oxygen for various industries. Obviously, uh, big in Austin and Central Texas and beyond would be the uh, service industry, bars and restaurants. You need that CO2 for your bar taps and uh, all you're doing. Uh, you're a one-stop shop. Also, for veterinaries and, and medical, for the for the other gases you need, uh, One Source Gas of Central Texas is your source every single time. Locally owned, Richard and his team are great, great people. Uh, find them online. You need to upgrade. That's why they've grown like they have because they've taken so much business from the competition because they're just better. Uh, they deliver on time. They're there for you every time. You can't do your job. You can't run your business without the gases you need, and it's going to be there on time. It's onesourcegasatx.com. That's onesourcegasatx.com. Easy website. Give them a call. See them at One Source Gas. All right, special teams. That was the big negative of last week. Something tells me x Man's gonna gonna do something this week. It seems like every time he's he gets kind of hears the rabbles, uh, dropped the punt last week, and um, he's off to a great start to his season. He's having heck, I, I kind of feel like he he's been a shoestring tackle or two away from a couple of big punt returns. This might be the the week that he takes one to the to the house, as they say, Craven. Yeah, he's gonna bust one eventually, and and if that starts becoming kind of a strength of the team, I mean, the offense has been a strength, the defense has been a strength. We'll call the special teams kind of breaking even. If that becomes a strength as well, if that becomes an advantage in these matchups, you know, there's not many weak points, weak spots for Texas. You know, last last week Baylor's best play was punting the ball to Texas and hoping they dropped it. Um, and so, <laughs> like you know, like what we were talking about with Quinn Ewers, you just can't shoot yourself in the foot. Like the Texas's only opponent in a lot of these games is Texas. Like this comes down to like if Texas does what it's supposed to do. Can you can you do what you're supposed to do offensively? Can you make tackles defensively? Can you be sharp special teams wise? You know, get a couple of big plays there. Uh, if they can keep making their field goals, if they can clean up some of the mistakes uh, in the return game and then turn that into an advantage, uh, they're really good because the coverage teams are great. Like, you know, we saw the Trey Wisner hit last week against Baylor. Like they have so many young athletes on this this team just chomping at the bit to get on the field. And they seem to have really bought into Jeff Banks and just like earning it through special teams and, and being a superstar there. So I think they're going to have one of the better coverage units, you know, in the country week in and week out because of their, their talent. Uh, if Worthy can start breaking a few on the on the punt returns or, on, you know, get a couple kick returns to midfield, like all of a sudden we're talking about a Texas team that's as good as there's been this century. Yeah, all three phases, and that's what they want to be. That's something we always talked about. Nick Saban teams at Alabama when Sark was there even before. You got to beat them all three phases for all four quarters, and I think that's the next step for Texas. I think we're seeing what they can be round into form. They got to be a four-quarter football team, though. Baylor was as close to it as they, because they didn't need to play much in the fourth quarter, put Malik Murphy in and dominated that game. But uh, it's impressive, to, especially, I, I'm going to go ahead and predict it on here on the ice on Texas. I think I think X-Man takes one to the house this week. I think he's going to get one uh, after they force a punt. Could be a game-changing kind of play for the Longhorns. Uh, just feels like he's ready. And again, when he when he kind of hears the rabble of the crowd, he tends to step up and make a big play, shut everybody up, which is good. But catch him. You mentioned some of the young guys, Jonte Cook on special teams. We could see him. Uh, you know, and you know, either either X Man takes one or Keelan Robinson's going to get to one of those block punts, right? He's going to get one 
that flips the field, that old dreaded double thud that all coaches hate when you when your kick gets blocked. I think there could be an impactful play here against the Kansas Jayhawks. But the Longhorns have been solid. You mentioned Burt Auburn kicking field goals. He's been rock solid. I think he missed one all year. Ryan Sanborn, quietly the Stanford transfer. He's been outstanding punting and delivering field position. So I think you feel really good about the Longhorn special teams if they can catch the ball. Now, Sark did cover uh, X-Man a little bit saying that the wind was blowing and it was kind of a knuckleball and you know, he let it get to his body. They worked on that. I feel pretty good about X-Man in this game uh, coming up. I, and I just love the way Sark, even on the offensive side, uses X-Man to force double coverages, right? He, it's hard to double anybody, but almost the way he schemes X, uh, it for you in Alabama got to where, man, we have to. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're putting him so many places. We need a second person. And then that's when JT jumps up. That's when AD Mitchell jumps up. I mean, that's, that's the dynamics. But I also think we could see X on this special team. That's brought to you by One Source Gas. At onesourcegasatx.com, onesourcegasatx.com. Appreciate it. Also, our, our entire multicast brought to you by our friends at and powered by Grande Equipment. Hey, Mike, um, uh, final prediction on this, and we'll talk some big picture college football for the week and let everybody get going. But uh, give me your thoughts on uh, the, the the score prediction you're kind of seeing in your crystal ball here. Yeah, I like it around the line. I think it's going to be kind of a 41-24 game. And maybe going into halftime, Texas is only up three to seven points. And then they just start leaning on Kansas, leaning on Kansas. And eventually, due to the weather, due to the, the depth and just the talent at Texas, they they break through in the second half. That's kind of where I, I sit going into this game. I think Kansas is going to play well in the first quarter. I, I don't think this is going to be one where Texas is just able to take the ball and go hide like they did against Baylor. I think they're going to have to play uh, four quarters, and that's good. That's good for this football team ahead of Oklahoma to be tested in that way. I agree with you. I'm just, you just took the words out of my mouth as I was listening to you. That would be great for Texas. I know Texas fans would prefer not to be in a dogfight, and the Texas gambling fans would like to cover, and maybe they will. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, it'd be good to get in a dogfight again. You covered, you handled it against Alabama. You know, this is a legitimate top 20 team in my mind. I, I've watched Kansas, watching the film. They're going to If they stay healthy – because their depth is still not where, where Lance Leipold would want it. They're going to win a lot of games this year. Uh, they're a good team in the Big 12. This is no fluke what they've done for the first four, to be 60% on third downs, to to uh, be that proficient and now improved on defense. You can't really say enough about the job Lance Leipold has done. Uh, can you think of another coach who's done, done such a good job as quickly as he has around? I mean, they, what he took over from Les Miles was a complete mess, and now they're a contender you know, for, you know, double-digit wins if they can stay healthy, I think. I think the only real advantage that Kansas has is is their head coach, and that that's not a, a knock on Sark. I think that's just how much I, uh, like, enjoy it and think of uh, Lance Leipold. I think he would be a great choice to be the Michigan State head coach, for example, uh, if he wants to move up and, and kind of have a, a bigger budget to go do that stuff. I think he's one of the top five uh, coaches in college football, not just in the FBS level, uh, all the way down. He's, he's a tremendous coach. Uh, that's why I think Kansas has a chance to make this one a game. If you look at the rosters, Texas is absolutely 20 points better than this Jayhawks team, maybe even more than that. Uh, but they have a really good coaching staff. They play really hard. They definitely play for the, that that staff and that, that coach. And so you know, I think Kansas is going to be fired up. They were probably embarrassed what happened last year, just like Texas was in 2021, right? Like I think Kansas probably felt like they got pantsed a little bit in this game by Texas, they weren't physical enough. They didn't They didn't answer the bell there at home. Uh, so I'd imagine this is a pretty motivated Jayhawk team that's going to have a great game plan because they have a great head coach. All right, so that's Texas. I agree with your score prediction. I think I wrote down 42-24 uh, Texas in this game. So I think we're right around the same. Uh, if Texas defense you know, plays like they did a close to against Baylor, the, I don't know if 24 is possible for Kansas, <laughs> but they do score a lot of points. Uh, that's where that line – I'm with you. I think the line – is going to be flipping back and forth. Vegas has 
they're pretty good at this, this Vegas, uh, what they're <laughs> yeah. doing. And uh, Longhorn fans, we've seen that in every game. Baylor was not close. They covered that easily. And that was the one I said, love Texas, and the line's not big enough. And the other ones I was a little bit tenuous. This one is too. All right, around the Big 12, uh, as we look at uh, – is it fair to say the other biggest game is West Virginia TCU? And when you look at uh, – uh, it's probably kind of off the radar, but people – you know, West Virginia lost early, bad to Penn State, a top-10 team. TCU lost that embarrassing game to Colorado, but neither has lost since. And the winner at Eamon Carter Stadium Saturday night will be all of a sudden unbeaten in conference. They'll be four and four and one and uh, kind of the team to talk about, not Texas, if the Longhorns win. Yeah, I think we all kind of turned the page on TCU, you know, myself included after that week one win at, at Colorado and turned out that Colorado is not that bad of a football team. And maybe week one was the toughest time to play Colorado because you had no idea, you know, what they were going to be good, bad or indifferent. Um, and so I think they just got kind of surprised week one, kind of slept walk into that thing, didn't take them as seriously. They're starting to turn the corner and play really good football. Uh, I think they're going to be, you know, outside of Kansas State and Oklahoma, I, I think number four in my mind would be uh, TCU with Kansas kind of right there in that in that tier. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be uh, formidable, down, formidable down the stretch uh, because their quarterback's starting to play well. Chandler Morris is starting to really play well over the last couple of weeks. The one I'm intrigued about, this is probably just my state of Texas brain, uh, but Texas Tech at home against Houston. Uh, I have, I mean, everybody had higher expectations for the Red Raiders than what they've shown so far. They've been really bad on the road for Joey McGuire during his his tenure there, but they've been really good at home. And this one's at home. Uh, Baron Morton's going to get his first start of the year because Tyler Shuck's out the rest of the way because he broke his fibula. Um, and so we'll see kind of what the Red Raiders are going to be the rest of the year uh, in that week. And so I, I think that one's going to be a weird one as well uh, because like Houston's quarterback was Texas Tech's quarterback last year. Like Tech beat Houston in double overtime in 2022 uh, with Donovan Smith as quarterback. Now Donovan Smith is Houston's quarterback and he's going back into Lubbock. I think it's just one of those weird transfer portal stories that intrigues me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And of course they played head to head last couple of years. Now it's a conference game. Also, Iowa State, we mentioned six o'clock at, uh, at Norman against Oklahoma ahead of the Red River game. Baylor, and we've talked about when you looked at the schedule, Baylor could be in for a one-five start for Dave Aranda. Mm -hmm. They're going to UCF to play Central Florida and Gus Malzahn. Cincinnati's at BYU. Um, what do you make of uh, down at AM? I know just around the state as you cover it, Dave Campbell's Texas football, the injury to Connor Wiegman, it's a big one. I actually texted you on Tuesday or Wednesday, say I'm hearing that uh, that injury might be season-ending, and it is. It's a foot bone bone break in his foot. Tough, tough for the young guy, but Max Johnson is there, but a bit of big blow anytime you lose your starting quarterback in that conference. That's the third straight season Texas A&M has lost their preferred starter to a season-ending injury uh, by week six. You know, like they just had a really hard time protecting quarterbacks. You know, Kellen Mond, you know, was under fire a lot at Texas A&M by their fan base, even by their coaching staff in a lot of ways. Uh, but he was consistent, and you could count on him playing every single uh, uh, week. And, you know, 2020 was a great year for them. And since then, they just have had no consistency at the quarterback position. I think Max Johnson is fine. I think it's a lot like Texas where A&M has built a roster to where they're super talented at wide receiver. They have decent running backs or offensive lines, pretty good. Their defense is so talented that I'm not sure it, my upside for A&M was eight and four, maybe nine and three. I think even with Max Johnson, my upside is eight and four, uh, nine and three. He beat Arkansas last year when he started against the Razorbacks. And so you know, I think A&M, I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to lose some football games, uh, but I don't think it'll be because of the quarterback position. I just feel bad. Uh, for Wigman you know you work your way back from an injury you get out there you're playing so well I think he was you know 1A or 1B uh, in the SEC quarterback power rankings you know for me you know going into week five and so uh, to have that injury you know just stinks for him um, and yeah I, I don't know I don't, I don't know if, if Max Johnson is good enough to beat 
you know, say a Tennessee on the road, but I don't know if A&M was, was good enough to beat Tennessee on the road anyway. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that, that goes about um, Jimbo. I think he needs eight wins. I, he may even need nine. Um, and we'll see wow. if, if kind of this loss at quarterback maybe changes that expectations for him. Yeah, Aggies are playing Arkansas that annual game up at Cowboy Stadium, AT&T Stadium, ahead of the Cowboys game with the Patriots the following day. So it'll be busy in Arlington this weekend. Aggies in Arkansas, the 11 a.m. kick. Uh, also in that SEC where the long ones are headed, Georgia's at Auburn in a good one, or it could be a good one. But, uh, you know, Georgia's 4-0. Um, that's that's uh, the, that old rivalry there, Auburn-Georgia in the Southeastern Conference. And then the best game in the SEC is uh, LSU Ole Miss. Uh, from the Grove, LSU three and one, Ole Miss three and one. So we're looking at that. And you know, outside of that, you know, the Colorado game with USC will get a lot of hype, a lot of uh, national notoriety. Apparently, there's some Longhorn fans fired up. That looks like Matthew McConaughey is supposed to be on the sidelines and not doing his Minister of Culture things. Here we had some some listeners not real happy about that. But there's more cameras. There's more cameras at that Boulder game. If we, I can tell uh, you all. I, I am not a Matthew McConaughey guy, so this is going to sound like hate. Uh, but that dude is is more attracted to cameras than he is burnt orange. That that is no doubt for sure. Well, he's pretty attractive too. So the camera likes him. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. Uh, That's fair. You know, uh, I'd also say that uh, you know somebody on our show this morning said uh, you know he's a minister. He's just spreading as long as he's doing the hook him <laughs> and spreading the good love and yeah. you know doing the barnstorm for Texas and he knows that's where all the eyes are going to be. You know, talk Texas when you get there. Uh, that'd be a good thing. But he wants to hang out with Dion like everybody else. USC Colorado. That's the 11 a.m. game. So it'll be a really early start for those teams on West Coast time kind of thing. But you do it for television because that's the big noon Fox ball game. They're going to put Dion there whenever they can. Um, Texas and uh, Kansas is a ranked matchup. We mentioned LSU Ole Miss. Uh, how about college game day at Duke? Notre Dame after that embarrassing end and tough end against Ohio State. They're going to go play Mike Elko's Duke team. And I've said a lot on our show, and uh, not probably not on this multicast, but I think A&M hadn't been the same since Mike Elko left. Now that defense, they were so good on defense when he was there now. Duke is ranked number 17 in the country and they get the fighting Irish with it with a game day uh, spotlight. That's pretty cool for them. There are a lot of Aggies that wish Jimbo Fisher left and Mike Elko stayed uh, (laughs) when when that went down. And I would imagine uh, when this Jimbo Fisher era ends, because I I don't think it's an if it's, it's a win Uh, when that Jimbo Fisher era ends either after 23 or after 24, I think Mike Elko is going to be on the very short list to replace Jimbo in college station. He's a hell of a football coach and you're right. They have not been the same. And it's not even just their defense. I just don't think they've been same culturally since he yeah. left. He provided discipline and toughness to that locker room that they clearly miss. If Marcus Freeman keeps losing games like he did the other night, Notre Dame might call him because yeah. uh, that's where he was before he was at AM, and they liked him a lot too uh, as Jimbo built his first staff. All right, Mike. Well, any big picks this week? We both like Texas, uh, Oklahoma. It's going to be a, an undefeated Red River game, I think, next week. But uh, any other favorite picks of yours before we sign off? No, I think that's. Uh, I think I, I think I like Texas State minus five and a half against Southern Miss. Uh, I'm a G five better. I don't. I think uh, a lot of betters pay attention to the P five, like the big games, but like so do the pop. So does the public. You can really uh, find you some wins there at the G five level. Cause not as many people are paying attention to you can kind of fade the public there. I think Texas state on the road hasn't been very good in history, but they, they've really turned the corner under GJ Kenny. I would ha- hammer the Bobcats right now. They're, they're on a roll. There, there's only four teams in the state with three or more wins through four weeks. And it's Texas TCU, Texas A&M and the Texas state Bobcats. Yep. And they're uh, at 35 point on 35 unanswered points last week against Nevada to uh, win that ball game after falling behind early. All right, Mike, great stuff. Thanks again to our founding partners at uh, uh, and presenting partner at Grande Equipment. Of course, also our founding partners, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy.com. Find him at that great website, the 
TexasMortgageGuy.com, Hayes City Store, an ice house in Driftwood, Texas, my favorite restaurant in the world. Hope to get out there at some point this weekend, maybe a little bit Sunday, watch those Cowboys. Hayes City Store, an ice house in Driftwood. Check out that Scratch Texas Comfort Food menu online at HayesCityStoreTX.com. That's HayesCityStoreTX.com. Also, One Source Gas of Central Texas, Dr. Greg Eckert, and for my teeth and smile and his brain vault, technology more than a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic that allows your young athlete to play hard, but play safe. And we are powered every week, bi-weekly now, by our presenting sponsor at Grande Equipment, locally owned, independent, but worldwide equipment company serving heavy equipment needs, uh, any equipment needs since 2004, online at grandeequipment.com. Mike, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Sam Houston State game. Texas and Kansas will have a full update on Monday into our Tuesday cast. It'll drop. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. Available to watch weekly on the Dave Campbells and the Horn in Austin YouTube pages or channels. Uh, also available for the download through the iTunes and Spotify or wherever you, you find your favorite podcast. Have a great weekend. Hook them horns.